You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to episode 70 of the BRP with me and Peter's back. Hi, Peter Marsh. How are you? Hello, Russ. How are you? Oh, I'm all the better for seeing you. Uh, yes, I'm fine, thanks. <laughs> You've been busy. Where have you been? All uh, over just, the place. Just, yeah, bits and pieces away for the weekend at one point and then, uh, yeah, I missed the game on Saturday, but I have seen the highlights, so I'll uh, a- attempt to comment on it for, as much as, I, <laughs> much as I can. Yes, well, of course, the main purpose of this episode is to review the match, uh, the game at Everton, where we lost 4-2 in the dreary rain and once again failing to win at Goodison Park. We're running out of opportunities. They're getting a new stadium at Bramley Dock, isn't it? Or Bramley Moor Dock, I think it's called. Um, Proposed will happen fairly soon. We haven't got many more chances to do it. Um, But uh, again, we've missed out this, uh, this time. Um, in what was a pretty low scoring weekend, wasn't it? The Premier League this week. Yeah, There's not much going on. At all. It's all I very thought it was quiet. pretty boring. Yeah, yeah. No, no, uh, uh, no, no shock results or anything like that. Nothing. Yeah, it was all too run of the mill, wasn't it? I'm surprised. Especially Sunday. Saturday was at, Saturday was at least interesting, but Sunday was really dull. <laughs> yeah, an, an absolute um, bore fest, wasn't it? Well, um, absolutely nuts, wasn't it? The weekend was was crazy. Um, some really strange results. Unfortunately, uh, with the aforementioned Goodison uh, hoodoo, um, there was no such strange result for us as we lost 4-2. Um, we're going to get into the details of the match in a moment. We'll go through a few bits of other news and information. We're recording this at 8.30 on transfer deadline day, and at least as far as Premier League to Premier League in Europe goes um, on Monday. Um We'll also go through some other bits and pieces, some other news. And there is the possibility of a couple of signings for the Albion. As it stands now, we've, we've been linked with Lech Poznan midfielder Jakub Muder and Ledger Warsaw left-back, who can also play midfield, Mikhail Kerbovnik, I think it's all Kerbovnik, um, who are both with a view to immediate loan-backs, according to sources in Poland, I understand, and also, I think, from elsewhere. Um, both rated highly. Um We'll talk about that first briefly, actually. So, first of all, Muder is um, reportedly going to be coming for about £6 million, isn't he, from what we're hearing, Peter? 
Is that right? There seems to be variations at different ends. It seems to be about six million here and then eleven million euros there end. So it may be uh, there's extras on top of it or something or um mm. but I mean he sounds a very interesting prospect. It does sound yeah. like kind of a very good player. Just hope yeah. we'll be in the Premier League by the time he signs to actually show his see how he does there. Absolutely. As you probably guessed, both of these players are Polish. <laughs> There's the giveaway was the name and the fact they're both in Poland. Um, yep. Yeah, um, he is, the, the older of the two. He's 21 to his uh, compatriots, 19 years. Um, both have been linked with quite a few European teams as well and kind of big yeah. teams. I think he was linked with Leipzig quite recently and the left foot, the other one was linked with um, Napoli, I think, amongst others. So mm. if we, assuming that they both go through, it'll be you know, quite a coup in a way. But yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, well, we'll come to later on the transfer window, but I'm not sure two players being loaned back is quite what we needed today. Not really. No. <laughs> yeah, Madeira and Lech Poznan, and they're um, you know, it's got a decent standing. Their their club within Poland, and um, and so is obviously Ledger Warsaw for the other guys. So I think uh, Madeira's about um one meter eighty eight according to transfer market, which I think is just over six foot. Is it? I think six foot two something like six that. Six foot yeah. two. Yeah. Which would uh, be good. We midfield. need a bit of height in midfield. Yeah, yeah, and he's a central midfielder. He's he's um, yeah, he looks a good prospect. Mikhail Karbovnik is um, slightly shorter than him, um, registered as left back, and uh, as I said, he's nineteen years old. Um, we'll see what happens with it. Obviously, we'll uh, keep you posted if anything happens during our our moments of recording today. Um, but more on that later on. Uh, let's start with the match then, Peter. Um, as you said, you've only seen the highlights, but I think that's enough to probably get a good grip on what happened during the game um obviously disappointing uh, another defeat we've got a large number of our early season difficult games out of the way but to be with three points from the four games I think is obviously disappointing but it's also pretty frustrating because I think off the back of what happened last week with Man United and you can say certainly to a large extent the Chelsea game as well we don't have the points that we deserve do we at all and you know, I mean, I, I wouldn't say we deserved necessarily anything from this game, but you would have liked us to get a fluky win, having had a fluky defeat suffered uh, last time out versus Man U. Um, what was your take on the game overall? I, I thought, obviously, I think we probably was our worst performance of the season, I think reasonably. I think most people would, would agree with that. I think it's yeah. the goal. The goal we got back into it was pretty mossy, anyway. I mean, we kind of, kind of, you know, we, they'd been on top, and we kind of a little bit of a decent spell from look of it from the from the highlights I saw. But then, obviously, got the goal back, and then our Achilles heel this season seems to be conceding straight after we score. It's a mm. so often and set pieces as well. Yeah, which the is one on Achilles' heel for each leg. Yeah, it's quite worrying considering. I think we've you know obviously we've scored quite a lot of goals so far this season, but the number we've conceded so far. I mean, I I don't have an issue with losing this game. I think Everton obviously had a brilliant start to the season. James Rodriguez is looking back towards the sort of form that he was in at the World Cup in 2014. Mm. You know, they've got a lot of very good players. Calvert Lewin is in the form of his life. You know, yeah. Richarlison always does well against us. You know, it's kind of like guaranteed. Yeah. Uh, so I don't have an issue with me. I think, yeah, as you say, that the issue was losing to United, having absolutely smashed them, basically. And yeah. that was the one we really needed to win, probably. I mean, if we won that, you'd have said six points from four games. Even without the striker coming in, you'd say quite decent. Yeah, I mean, just hand, look at... Sorry, go on. Yeah. What I was going to say was, on the other hand, we have played, as you say, three quite difficult teams and the one team mm. who you'd expect us to be challenging with that we have played, we have, we have destroyed, so... Yeah, you know, well, it's... that ties in with what I was going to say, actually, because I was going to say that um, the annoying thing is other teams, um, in some cases due to good achievement and other 
cases due to a bit of luck, have got results against some of the big teams in these early games as well, which is a pretty frustrating Leeds, we don't know where they're going to finish in the end of the season. They've made a couple of more signings, I think, this week. Um, looking like they might actually have a good chance this year um, to do something with their season. And, and certainly um, at the moment, they're defying the relegation predictions that I'm seeing them as being part of. Um, they've got Obviously, they've got the result against Man City. Um, they've started well in the other games. Villa maybe didn't have the most challenging matches. Sheffield United, who've proved to be off, off form since that defeat, it wasn't just against them. And beating Fulham was nothing. But obviously, the most ridiculous result I think I've ever seen in the Premier League, a 7-2 win at home to Liverpool uh, yesterday, uh, yesterday evening, uh, was both preposterous and also entirely annoying because you feel like Villa are the sort of side we've got to be targeting to try and finish above. Regardless whether that's a relegation battle or not, we want to be aiming to be above those teams who are newer to the division. Mm -hmm. And they've made some good signings, admittedly. I like Cash. I think he's a good player. Uh, Watkins, obviously, is one of the number I've been an advocate of. And unfortunately, now that he has signed for them, I don't want him to do well. But he he started well. He got the perfect hat-trick yesterday uh, with a a goal with his left, then a goal with his right, and then a goal with his head. He even got it in the right order. Has if to be said, our, sig- our, st- our significantly cheaper centre forward from Brentford has still got more cent- uh, goals this season than him. That's true. Yeah, good uh, points. Good point. Albeit from a game more, but nonetheless, yes, it's certainly not much in it. But I mean, that, that could just be one good bit of fortune. They they had they did play better than Liverpool. Liverpool, I thought, were really below par, and Villa were playing really well. To be fair to them. Even then, they got three lucky deflections on goals, which on another day don't go in. When you For example, us our... against Man U. Exactly, when you compare mm. to... Yeah. I mean, I, so, I, I think mm. Watkins will do okay. I don't think he's worth the money he's got, but then he's, no. he's passed. But on the other hand, if he keeps them up with 10, 15 goals or whatever, which they couldn't, they struggled with last year, then he'll be worth it, especially with Wesley still out, I think. And they've obviously yeah. sold um, the, the other striker they signed in January, whoever, what, mm. whose name I can't remember, um, Samasa. Um, Samantha, yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I think Barkley could be the one that really kind of makes a difference there. I mean, he, de- he didn't really make it at Chelsea, but when he was at Everton, he was superb. And having him alongside Grealish might well yeah. you know, create the sort if of chances that Watkins will you know, thrive on or anyone else yeah, will thrive on. That's it. If he gets any degree of form back, Barkley, that's going to be a good signing for them. And they, they have now stepped into the sphere of being a side where you think, well, actually, they're, not, they're probably not amongst the favourites now for relegation. Um they're using maybe their pull of their uh, sort of their high profile. Um, mm-hmm. Same with Leeds, maybe, who's signing this Brazilian today. Rafinha, I think his name is. Um, yeah. You know, maybe those clubs are actually going to move away from that uh, that bottom yeah. sphere that we're hoping to avoid as well. I'm still well, you confident could, we will because you, ne- well, but... you can never help but help. You know, no, I mean, on paper, you know, Martinez is a superb signing and goal for them. Barkley should do well. Don't take his injury to Greenish or something like that for a long time injury to him or. Same with Palace to Zaha, same with same with Leeds, I'd say if one or two of their mm. key players, you know, get injured or some way, you know, kind of have a problem. Yeah. Someone like if Phillips has a long term injury for Leeds, it's yeah. you know, it's it's a big big issue. You, know, you can never quite tell what, what's gonna happen and what's around the corner. Absolutely. And I still think any of those clubs could still struggle this season. And once the transfer windows in their entirety have all closed, which is what another eleven days from now, we're gonna yeah. do a revision of the table as I predicted it and give my final predictions. Uh, I don't know if you want to do the same at the time or whether any of the others, like Robin or Andy, are around. Um, we might try and get Johnny Cantor back on if we can for the uh, for the transfer window, the, the final one, just so we now know when we know exactly where we're going to be. But um, 
one of the other ones, I mean, we, I liked Eze and he's gone to Palace. I liked Bowen before that in the previous transfer window. He went to West Ham. I like Brewster. He's now gone to Sheffield United. That's being confirmed, which again is a frustrating one because Sheffield United, second season syndrome, they're looking uh, a shadow of their former selves. I know Jack O'Connell being injured is a big blow for them and the replacement they brought in may well be a, a very full, very far short of, uh, of his standards. Um, in what he did in the first season. But United were looking pretty ropey and there was no reason why that may not have continued. In fact, it may still continue. But getting in Brewster, that was what they needed. They needed it's a goal scorer. It's a team. lot of pressure on him, though, to keep if, if you're putting mm. all your, your eggs in yeah. that one basket. I mean, I actually think Brewster has made the wrong move by going to Sheffield United. They were, even in their brilliant season basis. last season, they had, a, mm. they had a really poor season in front of goal. They'd scored not that known. I think less yeah, they than don't us, create they? a huge amount. Yeah, do they? They, they don't what create they do chance, goals from midfield. They're based on defensively being very solid, and I think he needs he should have gone to a club who are a bit more played a bit more open brand of football. Personally, can you think of anyone um, in particular? <laughs> well, I mean, almost anyone to be honest. I mean, yes, I I'm not sure we I don't know how much we were ever in for him to be honest. If it was mm. a no, I don't, I don't like this idea of the sellback clause as well that Liverpool seem to be putting in for that. Another See, I wouldn't have minded that. I wouldn't have minded it on the basis that the markup was enough to make it worth our while. It's not the ideal scenario, admittedly, because you'd want to have a player who's in for the long haul. But of course, in football, you never know how long you've got someone anyway. Lamptey, we've right. signed on a permanent deal with no strings attached. But obviously, you know, he could be sold in the next window for a week. Oh, know. he could be completely. But yeah, I don't mm. like the idea but, of having teams having yeah, the chance to say at some point. Mm. You know, kind of. Oh, actually, we fancy him back now because it's we've we've lost the striker, so we're going to pay the money. And you know, yeah. suddenly you, don't, you have no control over it. Whereas at least if you haven't got that, you know, you may sell them, but it's on your terms at your time. Yeah. Nonetheless, I'm pretty annoyed we missed out on him because I think he would have added something. I do think it would have fitted, and in terms of the pressure you mentioned, we, there would have been less pressure on him because yeah, he, he isn't going to be the foremost principal striker necessarily straight away. Not not unless he makes it. Um, that, which of course means he's responding to any pressure he's got anyway. Um, if we'd have had him in, you've got more pay, you've got Connolly, a striker of sorts next next in yeah. line as well. So you, you would have options that would but will hopefully spur him on, but also take the pressure off um, the sort of scenario he'd be at Sheffield United. It's annoying because he does seem like he's he, he fits the no dickheads um, policy. Um, he seems like a really good uh, head on young shoulders there. Um, but we'll, we'll see how he gets on, obviously. Yeah, the pressure is on them. Other teams will have to see as, as well. Burnley are the teams that are really struggling at the moment amongst the teams. Well, yeah, um, Fulham, West Brom and Burnley are the obvious three at the moment. I yeah. still think Sheffield United, despite their, yeah. despite signing Brewster, I still mm. think um, I still think Villa could struggle. I still think Newcastle, despite their better result the weekend, could. West Ham, despite their better, again, couple of freak results. They, they were, I mean, obviously last two games, but I still think they may not. You know, you're never, you're never far from a crisis there. I still think we'll be involved as well. I still think Palace could be. I don't think any of the the bottom ten kind of teams, eleven, you can rule out really. Hmm. I think the big yeah. six won't go down: Everton, Leicester, and and um, Wolves. And other than that, I don't. I think anyone's game. Yeah, but obviously, well, yeah, Fulham and the... West Brom are probably favourites. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that as well. And um, I think Fulham and West Brom in particular are looking painfully likely to struggle I think for looking painfully poor in Fulham's case certainly um, anyway let's get on to the match review we <laughs> digressed Sorry, a little yeah. bit um, but with good intent um, so the match 4-2 in the end um, Dominic Calvert-Lewin of course who we mentioned being on form um, and uh, Seamus Coleman 
getting shots in early in the match. Saved well by Ryan. You'd expect him to save them, but still decent saves early on. Um, the game started poor weather. It was very dreary. And as we were watching the early stages of the game on the Zoom terrace that we were doing, um, I was saying that, well, we've got to ride the storm here, just weather the storm. Everton are a confident side. Um, what we've got to do is just sit in there and you know, to sit back and and try and work our way into the game. Well, it wasn't so much a storm as just a torrential downpour of rain, as, as was literally the case. Um, unfortunately, we did get ourselves rather thoroughly wet in the end. <laughs> that was the problem. Um, those two early chances were warning uh, warnings across our bows, really. Um, a little bit sloppy in possession. Calvert-Lewin having the first shot and um, Coleman the second. After that, of course... Um, Dominic Calvert-Lewin came in uh, at the far post and headed in, scoring pretty early in the game still, which was a disappointment, really. It was uh, 16 minutes. Um, the thing with that, it came in from the left side, came over to the right-hand far post. He pretty much seemed to have a free header, but what happened there was White was the man marking him. And White seemed going over as the ball comes in. But nothing was said about it either way, either in terms of criticism of White or or question marks about what could have possibly have happened there. It looked to me like he might have had his ankles clipped. Um, the only thing that I would say against that is there didn't seem to be an awful lot of appeal the other way. Did you have any impression on that at all? I, I thought he just to be honest, got in the wrong place, to be honest, mainly. But um, Maybe just stumbled yeah, or something. Didn't quite, yeah. yeah because it's, he's not quite done as well. They always on test It looked like he struggled a bit compared to previous games. He kind of... Um, I thought he'd done okay so far, but obviously Calvert Lewin is in the form of his life, and it's quite a difficult one to watch. So, yeah, yeah, it was just it seemed one of those things. Yeah, it seemed very, very inevitable, didn't it, when he he was going to score at some point in that match, given especially from a set piece. Yeah, Um, so you know, it it was a bit of a shame that although Everton looked a good side, we were getting forward a bit as well. There wasn't an awful lot in it, and it was a strange game because it felt both scrappy but entertaining time it did seem like there was quite a lot of um spice in the match so, you know both teams were keen to get to take the game to the opposition but there were a lot of scrappy moments in it as well when the goal came it did seem to come a little bit out of the blue in terms of there was no there was no immediate threat of sorts that you could see in terms of the balance of play so it sort of came out of the blue a bit that goal however equally so we got an equalizer in a similar fashion more pay about 40 minutes into the match Lamptey crossed Trossard, uh, well, basically mishit it into the ground, bounced up. England's number one, Jordan Pickford, then fumbled the ball rather clumsily. And it then fell into the path of Morpé with his back to goal. He was able to turn and then make connection with the ball through Yerimina's legs. <laughs> A clean touch, so it didn't touch the player, just touched the ball from what I could see, hit the net and it's one all. Suddenly everything's hunky-dory. And um, for a while, we wondered if it was just going to be one of those days where we we're going to get as much or maybe more than we deserved, uh, potentially. But it wasn't to be, was it, as the game didn't went on? It didn't last long. Yeah. Um, well, you say, um, you say that. It lasted longer than it usually does. <laughs> um, that was the one positive I'm taking. We didn't concede within two or three minutes. This took, I think, six and a half, <laughs> which is quite good by our standards. Um, what happened with that, actually? I was a little bit irritated with that because um, the ball went down the right-hand flank. Uh, Solly March closed in on Coleman. And he seemed to get the ball cleanly, except for the fact that Coleman put his leg into the path of where March was was going for the ball. 
not very conclusive angle, but it looked a little bit of a soft free kick from my side, uh, from my opinion. I don't know if you thought the same, Peter. Um, yeah, I can see what you're saying, but I think probably it's just like one of those. Mm. It's probably one of those that, yeah, if you could argue both ways, if it's given, it's given. It's yeah. No real. But no matter because we're good at defending set pieces, aren't we? So no, no matter, we could relax and nothing bad would happen. Like, for example, uh, World Cup star of a few years ago, James Rodriguez, who's been on fire, taking that free kick and planting it straight onto the head of Yeri Mina, who actually, as it turned out over the course of the game, I thought was man of the match rather than James or Dominic Calvert-Lewin, as the uh, BBC, for example, were rating. Mina, I thought, had a really good game. However, he didn't have to do much to score that goal. It was no. a very well-placed free kick. And he had the full um, luxury of the space he needed to make a small jump and shape himself exactly as you'd want to when you're completely unhindered by physical pressure from anybody else. So he could make a full swing and make a nice clean contact. No hassle at all. Why did that happen? <laughs> yeah, we're our marking at set pieces at the moment is dreadful. I don't know what's happened I mean it happened against United in the League Cup obviously mm. different players yeah. or well, actually it wasn't Tom different players in terms of Duncan White were both yeah. there but um, it's happened other games as well I remember I'm trying to think about the end of last season happened quite a lot as well we yeah. just don't seem to be bothering to mark from set pieces and whether it's because we're playing we've been discussing what's that group we've just we've been playing zonal marking whether we're just losing concentration or, or what but it's extremely frustrating mm. But then we can do it because against Newcastle, I think they had about nine corners and there's the one stat they were winning on and we headed it, we got rid of all of them, even with Andy Carroll playing and for half the game. And, you know, so it's we can do it. I don't know what why what it is that we Yeah, it was with. intensely frustrating. Um, yeah, it was, it was very poor marking. Was well, that um, you go in one all and suddenly it's a different game, isn't it? It's like, exactly. Yeah, because you've got time to reset, um, reassess what's going on. Um, you're... You know, the, the whole plan and the whole team talk then changes. And, you know, we just needed to see it out. It was two minutes into first half injury time when the goal was scored. Very frustrating. And two weeks in a row as well, because we should have got in one up against United and then yeah. didn't because of a late free kick. Um, yeah. And then we should have gone got in one, mm. one all against Everton. Instead, we're behind and level. Yeah, that's it. Well, we, yeah, we've got a frustrating habit of giving these goals away at certain particularly key points in games giving away set-piece concessions. It's been very, very frustrating because we know, well, firstly, a lot of it's quite sloppy and unnecessary. Mm. I didn't think Byrne needed to foul where he did against uh, Matter during midweek, for example. Yeah. Because um, there was a covering player that we could have put the pressure on. Um, but there's a few examples like that. That's not a single burnout. And again, it felt a bit of a clumsy free kick. Um, but then we're not defending them well enough. We're not organised well. I was yeah. saying uh, the previous game, the United match, that Dunk really wasn't either taking the initiative or marshalling someone else into doing so. Yeah. Um, we, we just don't look very well organised. Um, yeah, I mean, Raymond, week, for example, obviously White was was behind everyone else and so playing to McTominay on side, like midweek. So, you know, it's kind of like, actually, they, they, the rest of them were actually in a good position and McTominay would have been offside, but White, being yeah. where he was, played him on and didn't, didn't do anything positive because he wasn't anywhere near marking him. Yeah, that's it. And speaking to Raymond just after the game, he, he was saying that... Um, he wonders what the issue is. He thinks, is it Graham Potter with his coaching, the way it's set up? I'm of a different mind. And I think that uh, simply the players, having managed this adult Sunday football team, I, I know that the players can pretty much manage themselves for good or bad on the pitch. 
um, when it comes down to it. And really, they should know what they're doing there. Uh, I don't think even the most casual of goalkeeping coach scenarios would not uh, allow that to be the case here. I think, you you know, there, there was no excuse for it, really. The players should be able to organise themselves. It wasn't as if anything clever was done that wasn't readable and defendable. It was a pretty basic, well-delivered, but pretty basic ball into the box, the sort of ball you would expect to have to defend. So very frustrating. So that was half-time. And of course, at half-time, there was a change. Tarek Lamptey, who's been feeling um, his hammy, we think, don't we, um, in the previous game, again, I think probably the same thing. He was feeling it again. I think precautionarily, he was then taken off, I guess, ahead of more winnable matches that we've got coming up with that in mind. But he was replaced at halftime by Veltman. Um, I think, unfortunately, I think that took something away from us as well, because while Veltman, I thought, had a perfectly solid game, um, the thing with Lamptey is they're, in, they're scared of him. Uh, and rightly so. He's got so much pace. They doubled up on him. And for me, uh, in the first half, we didn't exploit that fact enough. Doubling up means obviously creating space in other parts of the pitch, um, particularly in the central area, near, nearer to where Lamptey is than the far side, but also the far side as well. You can spread the play. You can make use of the, of the space that's created elsewhere by the Everton having doubled up on him. Um, we didn't do that so well. Had Lamptey still been all right, um, then you'd maybe go out and Potter's then able to give a team talk that will allow us to further or rather to better exploit the spaces that were going to be available but uh, of course wasn't to be he was substituted and we were a bit more of a, a squared on sort of team I think after that as a result less right so we will meet teams after this who aren't as adept at sorting empty out and even if they do mm. double up on him I mean if you double up on a player with yeah. skill then there's the argument that you can nullify them largely but if you double up on a player with empty pace they can't combine to be as quick as empty so yeah, that's right. Yes, yeah. they one can back off, but it's either they both commit or it's one on one each time. So it's a hmm. and he doesn't mind one on one each time. If that's no, exactly. One, so which is great. He will. Yeah. He will be. You know, as effective as he was against hmm. Newcastle. I mean, Sam Maximan had brilliant pace and yet still managed hmm. to. You know, no, and he destroyed Burnley the other day, and yet yeah. couldn't barely get out of his own half against us. Yeah, that's true. Because obviously, a lot of teams are going to be looking to do exactly what Everton did. I think you make a good point there that. We, against certain sides, we're going to have to make sure that we are able to work a different plan into play. But you are also right that, yes, Everton certainly are a very good side. They're very well organised. And I think they did do a good job in, uh, in keeping us quiet. Um, we looked... We looked adventurous. We looked like took, we had it, some endeavour. It took a keeper mistake and we got our goals from a goalkeeper mistake and a, and a ridiculous goal, basically. I mean, it was such a mm. brilliant shot. Other than that, we didn't, yeah, didn't exactly. Yeah. Yeah, we I mean, Pickford probably... was the reason for the yeah. first. Hence, Everton are now apparently bringing another keeper in from Roma, allegedly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's certainly true to say that we didn't create as much as we would like. However, you notice in the game, as it wore on, there were two or three chances where some great blocks were put in. Davies... Um, in one incident, um, I think when Morpé was trying to... Uh, yeah, I think it was when uh, Morpé was having a shot. Yeah, that's right. And then later on, Yeri yeah, Mina blocked a Morpé shot. Um, someone else had one snuffed out just before that. I think it was Trossard. Um, so there was there was a few moments in that game where we almost got a shot off, which from what I could see, the way it was shaping up, was going to go into the uh, corner in each occasion. So a little bit unlucky. That's good defending. That was just sharp and decisive and it shows a team with confidence at both ends of the pitch 
Um, so there we have it. But yeah, so in that second half, um, what really killed the game, obviously having gone 2-1 down just before the break, was the first mistake of the second half, which was Trossard giving the ball away needlessly mm. to James um, in, in the form of an interception, picked up by Dominic Calvert-Lewin, led, laid off to Iwobi, who was on the wide left position, the inside channel, and he crossed it to the then unmarked Hamas, who'd run back in at the far post, who placed it home on 52 minutes. It was a good finish. Um, you'd expect him to score, but still he got a, kept his foot over the ball and, and buried it. We didn't pick anyone up. Uh, sorry, didn't pick Hamas up on the far post. I guess we put on the back foot by the initial mistake of the possession being given away where it was. Um, one of two silly mistakes we've made, which led to counters that basically killed us off. Um, the second of those, of course, being well later in the match after Davies had blocked more pace shot, by the way. Um, Alzate, then I think well, there was a good passage of play. We had a number of passes going around the pitch. We were looking quite confident. And ultimately, it culminated in a ball being played by, I think it was Webster to Alzate. And Alzate, rather naively, I think he um, he was seeking a free kick as the sequence came in. I think he let the, he let the ball roll past him to, to run onto, but he didn't really have the room to do what he was trying to do. And then he went over pretty softly looking for that free kick, which of course wasn't given because I don't think it was one. And as a result of that, um, that passage with Webster and Alzate, we were then put on the back foot. Um, Everton breaking forward, quick passing, purpose to Corey sets up Hamez for his brace um, again from the same as roughly the same position on the far post as the attack was um, and that was it 4-1 and we were then looking like a thrashing which I'm not quite sure we would have really deserved I think it would have that, that flattered Everton a bit um, but, but what was your take on that second half to that point those those goal concessions in particular yeah I think it's just you say silly kind of mistakes errors that sort of thing which yeah I mean it's Frustration. I mean, last season was dogged by missing chances, you know, constantly having chances and then giving away the ball in silly areas that then cost mm-hmm. us. And both of those things you see again this season. Admittedly, we got quite a lot of goals already this season, but that does seem generally because most teams haven't turned haven't turned up defensively this year. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. quite know what's happened to how many defenses, but um, yeah, the number of goals is frankly ridiculous. Um, but the <laughs> just a bit. <laughs> It's just it's like it's like defence have been told they shouldn't actually hang around and shouldn't you know it actually is like they're actually told to socially distant from attackers really. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. They take I mean, it all far too literally. Yeah, there's um, no other no other logical explanation why Liverpool <laughs> would concede seven against you know Villa and Manu would concede yeah. six against anyone and you know it's it, the whole thing's a bit ridiculous really. It's a bit like one of those computer games where they probably they put the goalkeeping like level down to zero and the striker level up to a hundred to try and score as many goals as possible. And <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, in case anyone's been on the uh, moon for the weekend, uh, just to reiterate, I mean Palace lost four 0 which at least was something. That was the early one um, away at Chelsea. So Chelsea finally getting their skates on. Um, we then lost 4-2 to Everton. Uh, other results included um, West. Uh, sorry, um, Leicester had thrashed Man City away last week and then lost by the same scoreline at home to West Ham, who have been the most hot and cold up and down team you could possibly imagine so far. Same season. amount of goals anyway. Yeah, the same number of goals. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 5-2 win and then 3-0 defeat. Um, as you said, that Man United 
then um, conspired to lose 6-1 at home to Spurs, which I did find intensely funny given how lucky they were last weekend. Sorry, guys. Um, and then, of course, we've mentioned the Villa game with Liverpool was 7-2, which is just the most... Pre- I actually predicted a 5-1 win to Liverpool. So I was right with the wrong the wrong way round at one point when it was 5-1. But even then, <laughs> the, goal, the goal fest hadn't, um, hadn't stopped. And, I mean, there were just goals all over the place. And it's... I mean, it was already... Um, being said to be on course for a massive record-breaking number if this were to average out over the season. A lot of it was being mentioned to do with handball rule, but of course they've uh, they've reined that back in a little bit, uh, or at least that appears to be the case. Um, so you can't even blame it on the offside penalty, uh, sorry, on the handball penalty situations this time. Um, a mad number of goals. Um, there were more to come in this match from the point where we were 4-1 down. We did play quite well, actually, from 4-1. Um, yeah, I think Trossard, we had our best, our best spell, really, didn't we? Uh, yeah, Trossard uh, wasn't on it, having his best game, but he did have the uh, well, the, uh, the unofficials assist for the uh, for the Morpay goal, of course, because he mishit it and Pickford made the error. But um, he also set up Morpay for that block, which uh, Mina put in, which was a really good block, actually. And that was definitely going in the corner. And then we had a couple, quite a bit of other pressure, eventually culminating... Far too late, of course, with Bissouma's scorcher. Uh, There's some link play from Morpé, Trossard, laid out to Veltman. Veltman crossed it. It was blocked, looped in the air, came to Solly on the the right-hand edge of the penalty area. He headed it first time across to Biss, who chested it. One of those lovely chest ups that kind of sort of spring up and just sit up nicely for you to volley, for example, into the bottom corner at a scorching rate, just for argument's sake, say in the 92nd minute of the game. Basuma, we said it, didn't we, when he scored the Burnley goal. Um, we, we've been waiting for that goal to come. And once it's come, we knew there'd be more coming like it. And uh, fairly early on, we've already seen it, which was massively, a, well, one of the only uh, pluses, but a massive one from the game on Saturday. That's going to do his confidence some more good. Um, and yeah. he'd like to, like to think he'll actually increase his um, accuracy ratio based on the confidence of having scored now two goals like that. Yeah, hopefully. And obviously the way he's playing as well. I mean, I think that's the thing. If he's playing well, the confidence to shoot and to take chances like that is, is going to be there more than when he wasn't playing. You know, he's a bit up and down before. But I mean, he, yeah. he's again, as always, like one of our best performers these days. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he was probably man of the match in this particular one. Um, out, of, out of interest, in your opinion, who was? I think well, having Solly, only seen but... the highlights, it's less, yeah, obviously oh, yeah, harder to yeah. say yeah. generally. But yeah, yeah I, I heard some good things about Solly generally. Yeah, I think he had, a, he had a good game. He grew into the game. He got better as the game wore on. I think he found his way in, in the match. And given who we're playing against, the most on-form team in the division, um, you know, I think he, he gave a good account of himself. Yeah, I mean, if, I if I'm honest, I'm less worried about losing this game than I am about, about our lack of action in a transfer hmm. window and about the fact that we should have beaten Man United, arguably, as well, which, you know, it's hard, yeah. it's ridiculous to say we should have beat, we should have at least got something from that game. And then it's not a bad start, four points, you know, before the Newcastle game, given how, you know, we were, you know, we've started against Chelsea, I was worried that we could end up with no points from four. So three is mm. not the end of the world. Um, and mm. it's going to be, the next five games are going to, you know, be a long way to define in the first half of the season, really. If we can get something, Palace away, West Brom home, then Tottenham away, but then Burnley home and Villa away, that is the, those five are going to be crucial to, you know, defining what we do. And it's, yeah, yeah. we're not going to stay up. Or we are. I mean, obviously, if we won these games, we would stay up, but we're not going to go down, sorry, more for losing Everton or at home to Man U. 
That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And while some teams have got lucky and got results, some, some of which they deserve, some of which maybe they didn't deserve um, against a bigger side. So they've got, they're in the plus column, so to speak, for expected points, you could call it, if that's a statistic. Um, you know, that's not going to, that's not going to last all season. And if, as long as we yeah. can pick up one or two similar results somewhere down the line, plus, as you said, do the business in the majority of the games where we need to, getting something and preferably everything from uh, each of those games, that would be superb. I think the international break, which is coming this week now, um, gives us a little bit of a breather, I think, on two levels. I think it's a good time to just assess where we are and make sure that the, the players are still keeping their confidence levels up. From what I understand, um, we had Steve Gibbon on Seagulls Over London as our guest on our Zoom our Zoom guest uh, this week, and he was very good. He's the player liaison officer, so he was good value. A lot of a lot of good stuff to be said there, and he came across pretty well. Um, but one of the things he said in advance in the run up to that meeting was that uh, the players were in really buoyant mood and good spirits after the Man United league game. So they're not being unduly affected yet. The question mark is if we continue to be unlucky and we continue to not get the results we deserve over the next say three or four games and that's where the issue could lie but if we if we've got this period to have a break and to work in a little bit more detail on any of the mistakes that have come up for Tarek Lamptey who had that minor injury hopefully to rest up and be available to then come back uh, for Palace or just after um, then you know that I think it, maybe it's a good time for a, a small breather and um, time to focus on the upcoming games um, the next of which of course is Crystal Palace away First time I'm missing a Palace game since I've been going to the Albion. I'm disappointed with that. Um, I know others have, have got far longer records of, of, of not missing Albion games in general that have been broken due to lockdown. But uh, yeah, it's a shame for, for moments like this, isn't it, when you can't get to the games. Um, we've just got to make sure we uh, we hit the ground running when we return, I guess, haven't we? Yeah, exactly. I mean, such a yeah, pair of input. I mean, West Brom home after that is... It's you never have a true gimme really. in Premier League terms, yeah. but it's as close to one as you're going to get at the moment. With yeah, I mean they are, they did look dangerous at Everton when I love I saw them in the last game or the, hmm. the previous game. Um, obviously, yeah, they can't um, underestimate them. Can they've we? got Pereira, they've got um, Diagana, uh, so hmm. both of them look dangerous, and we you know, we need to be careful. But it's a game that we, I mean, we, we can afford a draw at Palace. We absolutely have to beat West Brom. We need four yeah. points in those two games. Yeah. And then, Especially yeah, it's a home game. Obviously, yeah. anything then you get from Tottenham is fine, but then probably need four from Villa and Burnley as well. So, yeah, if you ended up with eight from those five games, end up with 11 mm. from eight. And then you're halfway to getting to through the to January window anyway, halfway. So that would be mm. a... And about halfway, or about and about a quarter of the way to safety. So, or yeah. Although who knows? He carries on like this. Who knows what safety will be? Every every team yeah. will end up on fifty odd points. Yeah. I mean, there's fewer draws <laughs> and more shock results. Yeah. Who knows what safety will mm. end up as? Yeah, I wonder what the actual mathematical figure is that uh, it's impossible to get relegated if there is one. There's probably it'd be very hard to work that out. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm not sure if it is is possible, but I, I would think it, it's, it must be winning half the games plus two or something or plus four because the idea would then be two teams losing every game hmm. so everyone else then won all like against each other and yeah. twice against the other team so probably 64 <laughs> or something like that technically you'd need yeah. to get or something yeah. ridiculous it's like some, that obviously yeah. it's not gonna be anywhere near that but obviously the less games there are drawn and the more games there where the shock results it will tighten it hmm. up and make it yeah yeah 
Yeah, at this stage, who knows? But it, I mean, something like forty-three points. If it if it went beyond that, I think I'd, that would be pretty unlucky for whoever yeah. went down, wouldn't it? Really, by that point, um, usually about thirty-six does the job, doesn't it? Thereabouts. Um, just a final few things on the uh, the match. Then, um, actually, um, I think it was in the pre-match uh, to the game on BT Sport, which was also the post-match of the Chelsea Palace game because they had both matches. Um, I don't know if you caught this, but Joe Cole was quoted as saying that um, Wilfred Zaha would probably suit us a lot better than Palace. Yeah, <laughs> which I, heard I found. That quote, in, yeah, and I put it on the WhatsApp group as well. It was quite interesting. I tweeted interesting it. comment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, interesting actually. If you analyse it, what, it what, what he means by that, I don't think he went into too much detail. But obviously, he's talking about the way we play suits suits his style better. They've had some woeful possessional stats. I think I quoted twenty seven and twenty four percent in the first two games. I don't know what it's been since, but I, I heard their podcast the other day, and they were moaning about how terrible their possession stats are. Um, they are very much just grinding out results, smash and grab kings at the moment, where they have got results. Um, Obviously, that's come unstuck now anyway. Um, he might actually be right, <laughs> uh, given the way they're playing at the moment. I'm not sure um, we'll ever get a chance to find out, though. So. No, I've got a suspicion that we won't, yeah. Um, but one other thing I gleaned from their podcast was that um, it was a return to the bad old day performances that they've been moaning about in the last season or two. They've been pretty flat and ineffective. There, there was always a doubt, even with a couple of signings, yeah. whether whether Hodgson mm. would turn his style around. I mean, they've only really made three signings, of which one is obviously Ferguson, who's um, not really played yet, I don't think, he's been injured. One yeah. is the uh, Eza, Eza, who, you yeah. know, for all the fact he's quite promising and I've been interesting us signing him, isn't, you know, he's 21, I think, and he's played yeah. the championship. And then Batshuayi, who obviously should be a pretty solid signing. Yeah, and the two... The two guys they're calling the Mac lads, um, MacArthur and McCarthy, are apparently the ones who are shining in their midfield, or at least they were before the weekend. Um, that doesn't bode well. It's a it's a very stagnant looking squad, and I yeah, even with the younger signings, they've still got quite a, an older older yeah. team. I can see them featuring in the shake-up at the bottom, at the wrong end. Coming, I'm not convinced that Hodgson. Also, I, mean, I think he's going into the season anyway, but whether they'll they'll keep him that long, even. Yeah, um, but just finally back to the game itself. Um, a couple of things, Pickford. I thought we looked pretty poor. I mean, we've alluded to the sarcastic nature of the way I said England's number one. I think Pope and Henderson are both um, head and shoulders above him at the moment. And I don't just mean height-wise. Yeah, oh yeah, um, <laughs> but he, I thought he looked poor. And I think we vastly under-tested him, especially with shots from range, uh, because it was a wet surface. Um, the other issue, which we have to touch on as well, is uh, corners. I mean, in general, I thought we were poor with defending set pieces and we were poor with delivering our own ones. Um, so bad at both ends. Uh, Raymond echoed that view as well in his post-match um, analysis. Um, in terms of corners, um, as you would probably have heard, if not seen, um, there was a huge array of short corners taken, which were, you know, if you're, if you're trying to play out possession uh, or if you're Barcelona in general, that's fine. Um, if you're not, you know, and we're trying to get back into the game, short corners are only going to work if you've got a particular routine planned. And there didn't seem to be any particular plan we were trying to um, achieve there or to, to follow. Um, pretty disappointing because, I mean, you could see it was mentioned on, um, I think it was on Match of the Day, that um, they were mentioning that Webster and Dunk were going up for these corners. They were expecting the ball into the box, if not directly, if then from, you know, from across shortly thereafter. And the ball just wasn't coming in at all. Attacks were petering out or a very poor ball was eventually played in. 
Um, this one usually winds up fans, doesn't it? I, I'm usually a bit more accommodating of it if it, I think it's got a purpose, but it just didn't seem to have a purpose in this match. And that was intensely frustrating. I, I know, Peter, you only saw the highlights, so you would have not been privileged enough to have seen all of these short corners take place. But uh, <laughs> but in, as a general point, it's pretty frustrating, that kind of thing, isn't it? I think as a mixture... Um, short corners work. I think there's a kind of a different one. So we scored against Arsenal in the game just after lockdown. Um, you know, there's yeah, there's if you different mix it thing. up, yeah, yeah, you mix it up, and it also depends on who you're playing. If you're playing a team with giant defenders, and I think to a degree, I can understand the point against Everton because they've got Keane, they've got Mina, they're big. Hmm. You know, Calvert Lewin's quite big. They've got some big players in there, so I can understand why we'd have done it. But yeah, to do it every time and to do it with no real, you know, purpose or things yeah. like that would yeah. be it's frustrating because. Well, just stick one in, especially on a day when it's a bit wet and it all can bounce around and that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, friend of the show and semi-regular contributor Andy Knott, who's been on a lot recently, he um, he made the point that he thinks we're not actually that big a side uh, when it comes to set pieces. No, we're, we're not, not, I don't think. Yeah. Especially without Burn. Because, yeah, because Burn's not, when he's not in the team, obviously Duffy isn't in the team now. Um, you've got no Murray. You've got, yeah, no Murray as well. That's true. Yeah, so you've got Duncan, you've got Webster. Yeah, those, those are big guys. And, and White's a reasonable height. But yeah, beyond that, there's not much. Um, Morpé, while he's got a physical element to him, isn't a very tall guy. And as you can see, when it comes to defending corners in particular, um, he's more likely to give away a penalty, albeit after the final whistle, <laughs> sort of, um, than he is to uh, to put in a challenge. And yeah, maybe we could do with an extra bit of height if we bring in uh, any other players in the next window. If it isn't this window, then maybe that's a consideration as well. Uh, the only other um, element I had from the game was uh, just post-match um, Graham Potter stating that we could have had some, um, some made, made some better in-game decisions. I think I'm paraphrasing here, but um, he said something along those lines. And he said that we did partly contribute to our own downfall, obviously referring to, uh, well, mistakes for all of the goals, basically. Um, I don't think I could disagree with any of that. As usual, I think he summed it up pretty well. Um, I mean, there's very few games where you can genuinely say that you haven't contributed to your own downfall if you lose. I mean, that's it's true, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, even like, for example, that Reese James goal against Chelsea, where obviously it was a ridiculous goal, he, we still could have mm. uh, closed him down better. You know, it's like there's, there's an, every game that you, it's a bit obsolete that. I mean, sometimes it's like, well, obviously there's something you could have done more in that situation. The ball mm. has to go to the opponents at some point, wherever it was. And, you know, it's. Yeah, that's right. But, I mean, yeah, I think yeah. It, yeah, it is the story of our season. I think in a way that we're you know, behind our own our own problems in the three games we've lost. Mm. Yeah. Um, okay, so moving on to some other news, it's not not going to be particularly much more. So just going through a few other things here, um, we mentioned Tarek Lamptey, of course, um, getting time for a rest. Uh, what he would have been doing is um, joining the England under twenty ones again because he's been called up following his other recent appearance. Um, he has, though, now formally withdrawn from the squad in order to rest up. Um, some other England uh, players now in the Brighton ranks. Um, Hayden Roberts, who, of course, is this bright young thing, uh, defender that's been rising towards the first team. Uh, Jensen Weir, who, of course, we've just signed from Wigan. And Carl Rushworth, the goalie who we had on loan at Worthing last year and who reputedly reportedly interested Barcelona at one point. Uh, so the rumours would, would have you believe. Um, they've all been called up to respective age groups for England, which is great, positive to see. Um, perhaps it's necessary to see if they've got any genuine aspirations to play for England because 
Lewis Duncan really goes through the age groups and he's been ignored at senior level. If Gareth Southgate stays in charge, perhaps these guys need to be doing that to get in. <laughs> it seems that way, doesn't it? Um, good news in general? Yeah, I mean, it's always good Positive, news. We've it? got our players playing for, yeah. Yeah, well, one bit of other news that's come in, which certainly is positive, is that Izquierdo has finally, gradually made his way back towards full fitness. That is to say, you know, he's able to play games. Match sharpness will come later. Um, he played for the under-23s at the weekend, scoring what I think was the winning goal in it the was, match. Yeah. As a substitute, this is. Um, brilliant to see him back. I mean, I don't know to what degree he'll be able to hold up and step on. Um but if he can get back involved with the first team at some point this season, um, that would be a bonus, wouldn't it? I think. If, I mean, if, if, he, that's if, he, if he ever gets anywhere near the first before. team, mm. then obviously it's a big massive, especially if he's anywhere near the player he was two to three seasons ago. Yeah, yeah, it's it's going to be a, a big ask because um, you've got to break back into the team to start with, and then when you do, you've got to try and achieve the form that you had before because I think he was a player that was a bit hot and cold for a bit. He took a little bit of time to find his way. Then he got into a real purple patch and aside of injuries, he was uh, he was really making an impression, wasn't he? So uh, it's great yeah. to see him back anyway. Welcome back, is and hope you can stay fit and step on. Um, so that's good news. We've already mentioned the uh, potential two signings uh, that we're looking to bring in uh, in this window. Um, one person that's gone out, in fact, two people have gone out, I think, since the last pod. One is Victor Mjokeres, who has gone to Swansea, which is a decent move, I think. I'm not quite sure he was ready for us. I don't think he was the answer to what we needed in terms of a conventional striker. And I think um, it will probably benefit, I think, from a loan. He's gone to Swansea in the Championship, which is a good level. Um, I think reasonable move, and I think it's sensible all round. Um, he's now been followed out the door in loan terms by Alex Cochran, the young left-back from the 23s, who's been training a bit with, I think, with the first team here and there during pre-season. Um, he's been loaned out to Royal Union Saint-Gilois, who, of course, are, is Tony Bloom's Belgian club. Um, they're second in the second division of Belgium at the moment, apparently, early doors, and or fairly early doors. And um, I think, again, interesting move. I think they do rate him quite well. I think he can get a good ball into the box. Yeah, uh, seems not, a solid defender. Seems an odd move from my point of view. I was talking about the championship at one point and whether they could get a move for him there. Mm. So it seems odd to go to the Belgian second division. But yeah, anyway. I can, I can only imagine that um, we couldn't get a suitable enough deal anywhere, yeah. which seems it, a it shame. Seems, it seems that uh, Union Sanguilawara are kind of Tony's dumping ground for players he doesn't, he can't get loan deals <laughs> for elsewhere. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Or am I being, um, am I being harsh there? <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe not. Um yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's a solution for now, isn't it, at least, I suppose. Um, we'll see how and that works out. But, I mean, in terms of the transfer window, just to summarise where we're at now then. So, um, in terms of signings in, we've got Zach Emerson from Oldham, undisclosed fee. Um, Jensen Weir, who we mentioned just earlier in terms of the age groups for England, signed from Wigan for 500,000. Uh, we've got Adam Lalana for the first team, Liverpool free transfer, Joel Veltman at Ajax 500k, sorry, 900k. Lars Dendonka, who came from Club Bruges on a free, and he is involved with the under-21s at the moment. He was on the bench, I think, for the League Cup game, wasn't he, as well, uh, last week. Um, Cameron Poupion from Sydney FC, undisclosed. Uh, Jan-Paul Van Hicker from NAC Breda, who's on a three-year deal and has been loaned back out. 
Um, he sounds like quite course, an interesting prospect. He does, yeah, he sounds a good player, doesn't he? He's quite tall, lean, looks looks involved, gets forward as well, scores goals, and looks like and a really good defender too. So he's he's he looking up front. I say, sorry, yes, uh, he's a really good player, I should say, not a defender. Um, yeah, I mean, we'd maybe get him back halfway through the season. Yeah, just stick him up front in the Adam Burgo sense and just say, yeah. you know, you, you may be a defender, but we'll just stick you up front just to give it a go, <laughs> see yeah, if you can score. Exactly. Um, and then, of course, speaking of um, strikers, there's also, um, we've well, as well as re- uh, Reader. Cadro that we signed, who's I think was a midfielder, is he? That came yeah, attacking from midfielder, I think, sort of thing. Yeah, attacking mid. He's he's one that we also signed, scored I think. at the weekend, the under twenty threes. Oh, did he? Oh, okay, I yeah. missed that. That's good news. Yeah, so yeah, so we got him in, which is obviously uh, uh, one I think since the last pod. And Andy Zakiri has been confirmed as well, the guy that we've been in for from Lausanne, who could play for various countries. He's I think of Kosovan descent but he's uh representing switzerland i think as i understand it yeah um, and it sounds like he's the third choice striker seeing as where yeah at. yeah and i'm going to come back to your opinions on the striker situation in a minute uh, just to summarize the outs um knockout to fulham for 10 mil button to west brom undisclosed and leaving the club in general berum kyle scalotto montoya moy and we're not sure what's happening with andoni um quite a few loans now Percy Tao to Anderlecht, Matt Clark to Derby, Leo Ostergaard to Coventry, who's been doing well, Ryan Longman, who's been doing well at AFC Wimbledon, Warren O'Hora at MK Dons, Taylor Richards, who scored his first goal last weekend at Doncaster, of course, Shane Duffy at Celtic, Glenn Murray at Watford, Tom McGill at Crawley, uh, the aforementioned Jan Paul Van Hecker at uh, Herondin, that's where he went out on loan after signing from Breda. Uh, Victor Gioqueras, we've mentioned at Swansea, and Alex Cochran at Saint-Jolois. And allegedly, um, well, according to the various rumours, the suggestion is that Max Sanders will be out on loan tonight as well. Although, yeah, who knows? But it's, yeah. Or, of course, it doesn't need to be done tonight, does it? So it can That's be done yeah. in the next, like, 10 days. Because I think as long as it's from yeah, Premier League to lower divisions, it's longer. okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's right. And, I mean, it's probably a sensible move there, I think, um, for him. Because I, I'm not sure he'd really get a look in unless there was a major injury crisis. Mm-hmm. I think it does suggest, though, in that regard, that Malumbi is likely to uh, stay with the first team. Oh, I, I think, think he will, yeah. And, and I think once Stevens went, especially, game as well. especially yeah. once Stevens yeah. left. I think he looks, I mean, Sanders looks solid. He looked quite tidy, I, I think, in the League Cup action we've seen him in. But I do think that Malumbi is the more finished product as far as it goes at the moment and he's yeah. well he's also yeah, played at a higher level hasn't he he's played in the championship last season so stepping into the squad's a more natural thing for him whereas Sanders has played at league mm. one level at most and the, yeah. the other interesting one I've heard rumoured is Tudor Baluta who obviously has gone off the been off the radar much of the yeah. time going to Dynamo Kiev but I've no idea if that's true or not but oh right okay I'll keep an eye on that because I've on loan, heard of that one not permanently but it's been, I mean, it's been the odd source. I don't think it's like anything, bit, but you assume they'll probably do something with him because he's nowhere near the first team at the moment, seemingly. So, yeah. in terms of transfers, I think most of the time, most of the fans of most of the clubs probably aren't completely happy with the business that's done. There's always someone you feel you could get. In terms of our business, I've listed the ins, and obviously Emerson Weir, um, Dendonka, Popion, Van Hecker. Um, oh, oh, Ulrich Enemy Ella, as well as the other guy we brought oh, yeah. in, of course, from Amia. Um, I forgot to mention. Um, and uh, Kadra are all coming in essentially for under 23s or to be loaned out. Um, Zakiri is obviously going to be some backup as a striker of sorts. 
uh, behind what we do have. But what we do have, if Handoni doesn't feature at some point, Mr. Hecate well, he, He's himself, not due to be play, a fit till Christmas, I think. Couldn't. Exactly, yeah. So it's going to be a while anyway. So so apart from Zakiri, all we have is, of course, Morpay and Connolly, who tends to play as a wider attacker anyway. Um, what's your opinion on the notion of us not doing any more business um, given those two new signings if we did make them today if that's all we do we're going out anyway on loan by the sounds of it I think we're, Not much. Really, we're really pushing our luck I think probably is the answer I understand mm. if there's financial problems if there's issues um, if there's reasons behind it fine you know kind of that's well there's nothing we can do about it but we are there's no point kidding ourselves we are you know no point Graham Potter sitting there and if he's genuinely happy with two strikers and then a backup from the Swiss second division then I would be very surprised. He keeps saying he's happy, and obviously he's not going to say, "Oh my God, if we don't get our striker, and we're going to be going down." But if we we left ourselves in a position where if anything happened to Mope and he was out for a month or two, we'd be in real trouble. And I find it quite shocking that, considering that we've there's been talk of you know top ten finishes and that sort of thing at one point, and and the frustration is that we've I, to me we've got a really really good squad. We could do with another left wing back. You could argue that we could do with one more maybe defensive midfielder, you know, strong midfielder or something like that possibly. But generally, I think we've got the best squad we've ever had, arguably mm. certainly in my time of watching by a distance. And you know a lot of very exciting young players, and we could and going down would complete would lose a lot of those players. And so we're mm. basically risking all of this for the sake of one striker who we even somebody's backup who can come off the bench is a bit of a different option. Even Troy Deeney, for example, mm. I mean, at least he'd be a different option off the bench. You know, I don't know why we didn't try and do a swap deal with Watford for Murray and Deeney on loan. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, he obviously isn't like... the top choice, but at least he'd be something different on the bench, a bit of experience up front, a bit of, you know, a couple of years younger than Murray, but you know, I mean, I've, I've given up on the kind of big money side now. I don't expect that. I didn't expect us to get Brewster or Watkins or whatever, but I do expect us to get someone in. And if we're not mm. going to, which it looks, obviously we've still got, technically got a week and a half to the championship, but I don't see it happening now. And that's very disappointing. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, even on top of that as well, you could also mention in terms of getting away from the striker area, the other position that a lot of people are saying we would need to fill, notwithstanding defensive mid in the gents case, um, is the left back role um, or left wing back role, having more cover there. Um, it doesn't seem very convincing on the Bernardo front. Solly's been doing well. I think he's having a good season so far. And that's great. But we don't just want him. We need, first of all, for competition for places, but also for backup or even to override him as first choice, someone else to come in. Ryan Sessegnon had been touted, and that, of course, is another one that's not happening for us. He's gone from Spurs to Hoffenheim on loan for the season, so so that one's not happening. Rico Henry, we've also been linked with, but I don't think Brentford are selling anybody other than potentially Ben Rama, who also I would love to have. He's the, he's the last of the ones I've recommended we should get, um, <laughs> who is still technically available at the moment, uh, which is a bit depressing. And it's not the not the striker that we really, really need. I mean, he would add something to the squad. But I agree with you. I think it's a, a bit of a risk not to bring someone else in purely for numbers. Um, and um, you don't want to have a complete makeshift uh, player uh, by the same token. You don't want someone just on the unattached list that comes up uh, and inevitably gets posted on North Stand Chat and elsewhere once the transfer windows have all finally closed. Um so it is a bit of a frustrating situation. I think there'll, I think there'll be a huge amount of overreaction because that's the way it is. And hmm. it's and I'm not I'm not going to yeah. go and start throwing around hyperbole because I don't see the point. And hopefully, if we if we're if we're lucky, 
generally and we get away with injuries hopefully we'll do okay we'll get enough points to be reasonably one off in January and then we can you know regroup and see where we are but my worry is if Malpe gets injured and, he, and even then you know maybe Zakiri will become on the bench in which case you know we've got a different option then at least coming off the bench yeah. to see what you can do but it's... I mean he, he really is an un, untapped kind of uh, item isn't he really in terms of we, yeah. we really don't know what to expect from him uh, good bad or ugly but I, I'd imagine it does sound like he's genuinely part of the first team squad as as the backup you know to flesh the squad out and I mean, who knows? You never, you never know how things happen. Fortune yeah, I mean, could favour him like getting a chance. You, could do well. Someone like mm. Meet You or whatever, you know, never, you know, never been heard of. Anyone at Swansea and did brilliantly for them. So I'm not, I'm not going to rule it out. But it's, yeah, obviously the Swiss second division is probably not the strongest standard. So, um, yeah. Who, yeah, it's hard exactly. to say. I'm hoping, yeah. obviously, that yeah, to be proved wrong in that one. I think we are a bit short in other areas. But like, for all the fuss about defenders, I think we've got quite a limited number of defenders now. We've only mm. really got as back up to those five. We've only really got Bernardo, who yeah. didn't look great, Beltman and Byrne. So in mm. terms of the numbers, we've not got huge numbers, and that's obviously allowing for March not isn't actually a win back. Midfield, mm, we've right. only got really Malumbi and Proper. Proper doesn't seem to have been fit most of the season, and Malumbi obviously never played a Premier League game. You mm. know, it's a yeah, it's a young it's, squad. It's it's refreshing in one sense. Um, it's good to see the development coming through. But yeah, we, we, we maybe need a little bit more experience, particularly up front. Um, one speaking of which, one guy I would have liked us to get in. I've always been a bit of a favourite of mine is Bas Dost. I don't know if you've heard of him. He's the Dutch yeah. striker. He's, I've just looked him up actually to see how old he is because I had a feeling he might be older than this. But apparently he's um, thirty-one still at the moment, so a bit younger than I thought. He's kind of one of those scruffy-looking guys that he always looks older than he uh, than he is. You know, so in fact, there's a kind of like a passing resemblance. If I just show you the uh, picture here, do you think there's a slightly Dutch version of Morpe there? <laughs> <laughs> Slightly, what more could you want? <laughs> but he's a he's a, like a, a tall, a classic goal poacher type striker. I mean, in some respects, he's pretty similar to Murray, and obviously a younger version of. Therefore, at thirty one, um, he's been around in the German league pretty much as long as I can remember. He's playing for Eintracht Frankfurt nowadays. Um, he's always got amongst the goals, and he's got a great name, Bas Dost. It sounds like name, some sort yeah. of building company or something, doesn't it? Um, but uh, yeah, he was—he's good. Uh, he would have been a good option. Um, whether he'd ever come out of Germany, I don't know. He seems to have been there forever. Um, final points, I think, Peter. We've—we've we've got to finish uh, with a flourish, I think. So I'm going to do a little predictions game with you uh, to finish off. Uh, we've got a week away from the Premier League, but when we do return on the weekend of Saturday the 17th and Sunday the 18th of October, um. There's a full complement of the usual league games. So a quick prediction on uh, the scores for the Premier League. Um, Saturday, I don't know if you've got the fixtures up there. Yeah. Um, there's seven games on the Saturday, isn't there? Um, starting with the Merseyside derby. So um, you're, I'm going to go with your predictions and mine maybe together. So let's go through it. So first of all, Everton-Liverpool. I'm going to go for a 6-3 win for Liverpool. They're going to bounce back. I'm going to say, on a basis that Everton are a lot better than Villa. I'm going to say 14-2 to Everton. 14-2, nice. So getting their revenge, yeah. They're overdue a, a win, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, Chelsea-Southampton, I'm, I'm finding Chelsea have probably found some form now, so I think they're probably going to win that. So I'll go 7-5 Chelsea in that one. I think Southampton will struggle against Chelsea generally, so 12-0 probably sort of thing, maybe, kind of. Yeah, Chelsea solidly into doubles. Again. Yeah. yeah, fair enough. Then we've got the Midland derby. Um, Leicester and Villa. Uh, Leicester have been... Well, we're on form, but now they've had a bit of a nightmare. Aston Villa, I thought, would look pretty poor in only scoring seven. 
last night. Um, so I'm not sure if they've really got their shooting boots on. They could deflect a few in, I suppose, you know, with all the luck that we've deserted us in the Man U game. Um, but I reckon Leicester will have too much for them. So I'm going to go... I'm going to go nine eight to Leicester in that one. I, I'm going to, I reckon they're a pretty evenly matched at the moment. You know, Leicester obviously dropped in form, so I'm going to go five all. Okay, cool. Uh, Newcastle, Man U. I mean, I, I think Newcastle are going to come unstuck here. Man United, I think, might find some form with uh, the signing of Sancho. Oh no, they missed out because they're too incompetent and arrogantly tried to buy him for a much much cheaper fee than the asking price so maybe not so maybe it'll be a close game I'm going for a really low scoring game here I think it's going to be 4-4 uh, I reckon that United will win 3-1 with Newcastle hitting the post 23 times <laughs> 3-1 that's ridiculously outlandish prediction that one um, Sheffield United Fulham um, I think both teams are, are pants with scoring um, they have got Brewster though so I'm going to go for a a really low-scoring 4-2 win for Sheffield United there, I think. I, I Fulham can't defend, Sheffield United can't attack, and it's hard to know how that's going <laughs> to work out. So Not I'm well. going to go. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to go with four all with all four Sheffield United goals being own goals by Fulham defenders. Because <laughs> they're that bad. Yeah. Okay. Um, West Brom Burnley. Um, I mean, this fixture bores me just to look at it. Um, I, I'm going to go nil nil. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to go one nil to West Brom. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. Okay, and then we've got we've got a big one to finish off the five thirty kickoff on Saturday in a fortnight or just under two weeks is um, City at home to Arsenal at the Etihad. I think this is going to have a few goals in it, so I'm going to go for um, a City win. I think they they're going to have their uh, mojo back a little bit, so I'll go for twenty three eighteen in that one. I think. <laughs> I'm going to go for a slightly more conservative 11-7 for City <laughs> Nice um, I'm going to put this out of chronological order the Sunday games um, in fact is there a Monday match as well let's have a look the Monday game yeah oh, there is, Leeds right. Wolves so, Monday night okay, well, Le- Leeds Wolves on the Monday go with that first so Leeds Wolves what do you think I mean Leeds play an open sort of game so I reckon that's going to be about 13 um, all I reckon that's going to be 6-2 to Wolves with uh, Adama oh. Traore basically walking through Wolves every time at his pace and scoring six goals. <laughs> You're hoping, aren't you? It's your Leeds Leeds. I can't bring myself to predict Leeds anything other than getting thrashed. <laughs> yeah. Um, London Derby going back to the Sunday. The later game um, after the Palace Bright match is Tottenham against West Ham. Um, this one's hard to predict, really. I think Spurs, obviously, they had the 6 1 win away at Man U. So I think they'll step on from there. So I'm going to go for. Um, 14-2 to Spurs. I think West Ham will have an off day again. I'm going to go for Sun 6, um, Antonio 5. That's going to be With my... Kane getting all the assists? Yeah. Because that's what he what, does for all, nowadays. What, for both teams? <laughs> yeah, for both teams, yeah. <laughs> getting all 11 assists. <laughs> Passes it through for Antonio and for, uh, for Sun. Yeah. And then, uh, yes, and then running to the edge of the, pit, of the camera to reveal a Leighton Orient sponsored shirt under his Spurs one. Definitely. Um and uh, last, and not literally last chronologically, but last to mention is the earlier game on the Sunday. It's um, the C word, Cripple Phallus, at home to, well, the greatest team in, in the Premier League by some margin, obviously, Brighton. Um, what do you think in that game? Can Albion get a result? And if so, what's going to happen? Will Zaha be playing for us or them? Uh, I, I'm going to go for 4-0 uh, to Palace, mainly because that Neil Mopé drops 
loses his head the day before and can't find it, and so he can't play. Um, Aaron Connolly gets the slight injury over an international break. Andy Zakiri comes in and then injures himself in a warm-up. So we're left with playing Dan Byrne and Joel Veltman up front. And well, why, don't we, why don't we put Andoni on on crutches? And then he can get sent off anyway after three minutes, so <laughs> yeah, just assaulting four, several not, players. Not a two-footed challenge, but a four-footed challenge. <laughs> Well, Palace have so little possession, so apparently they, they yeah, their average is about zero percent possession during games. Um, we still managed to complete from a set piece against them, though. Yeah. <laughs> <Karen> <laughs> they've yeah. had no possession I, at all. They've literally not touched the ball, but we've passed it out for a corner for them, and then they've scored from it. <laughs> well, I love the fact you can't bring yourself to predict a Leeds win, but you're predicting a Palace win. That's an absolute disgrace. I mean, sorry, yeah, C-word. That was, sorry, that, was in, that was slightly tongue-in-cheek. <laughs> um, I can't bring myself to predict, predict that, and I don't think that'll happen at all. I think we get we get a solid draw. I'm going to go for um, a, probably a 15 all draw. I think in that game, yeah, because we're uh, we we just uh, the set pieces. We, we're going to sort out how to do set pieces at the right all end. All 15 goals are going to be set pieces for them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Zakari's going to score, and everyone's going to mix him up with Shakiri. I think that's what's going to happen there. And we're going to sign right, Shakiri okay. just to confuse things even more. <laughs> be like when when Fulham had Collins, John, and John Collins. Yeah, oh God. yeah. Players whose names are the wrong way round. That's one of our. Yeah. Uh, we should do one of our elevens next time. We've got a, a yeah. break in play. Yes, dear, oh dear. Well, anyway, in the meantime, before all the latest round of golf fests occurs, um, we've got a week off, and we will hopefully be doing some kind of a show um, featuring maybe something to do with low leagues or non-league. That's the plan. If not, we might do one of our silly ones. Um, would you be around Peter next weekend, or are you? Well, you know, I might make British time, trip you know. around the country. No, I, yeah. I have no trips planned. No scouting trips for championship no, players. I'm, well, you know, they won't be playing, will they? So, there's not much point. <laughs> I'm, I'm <laughs> well, I thought you just go around the, the house, <laughs> scout the non-league teams, you know. But then, yeah, I didn't bother. Yeah, well, speak, Whitehall. speaking. Well, apparently, of, Barcelona seem to scout at Worthing these days. So, why not? You know. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And they're back in action, aren't they, Worthing, amongst all the other non-league sides? Not Barcelona. Um, <laughs> not Barcelona, no, yes. They're not in action. They are playing, but they're not in action. They're, they're doing badly. But um, the non-league is back, isn't it? And there's, there's been this uh, bailout yeah. by the government after a lot of uh, fluffing about, um, for want of a better word. And the National League getting funding, I think, isn't it? Is that how it's worked There's out? still a lot of fuss, though, about the lower levels where I think there's a limitation on the crowds they can have. And it, mm. the limitation seems to be by level. And teams like South Shields and FC United have complained that Basically, the, the numbers they get are significantly higher than most of the teams in the higher divisions. And it's not yeah. fair that they're limited to a certain number, the same as everyone else. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, I it's, it's a minefield, what, isn't it? But it, I said it on the last pod, you know, it's, it's suffocation. They're not being allowed to breathe as much as they should be. And yeah, there's no reason really to restrict to such a large degree. I mean, apparently there's been uh, fans watching games in cinemas. Um, well, so apparently we're that... being encouraged today to go to cinemas, to watch go to cinemas anyway. By that, by yeah. our esteemed prime minister. So uh, you know, maybe that's maybe that's the idea. Maybe they should go to cinemas instead. Yeah, well, that's the way forward. Football and cinemas. Lovely. Very, very odd that we're encouraged <laughs> to go to cinema and watch the go to the cinema, but we're not encouraged to go to football, which is out in the open, and you're not, you're not, you know, much less chance of catching something. Yeah, crazy stuff. And as for the social distancing, Sunday football, forget about it. That's why my final word on that one. Um, not working too well. <laughs> so you're not not as good as Albion at corners then. Definitely not. And I, I went for the first time ever to Hackney Marshes on Sunday, my Sunday team's away game. Uh, we never played there before. Um, we got thrashed 6-1, you know, so a typical score in the Premier League. Um, you were the man you were this weekend then. 
We were, yeah. It, it used to say this about Sunday football, but it's just about uh, the Premier League now. But uh, yeah, that was that done and dusted. Uh, freezing cold. Lucky I didn't get a cold actually, but uh, social distancing was not on the horizon amongst the players, I have to say, which is not a surprise. But anyway, on that uh, sordid note, we'll um, we'll leave it for now. Um, Peter, I'll see you next time. Um, in the meantime, you, um, thanks for joining me. And thanks for having uh, me. As with always, if you're interested in anything to do with Seagulls Over London, who are our sponsors, you can check them out on www.seagullsoverlondon.com. If you want to contact this show, Brighton Rock Podcast, it's at Brighton Rock Pod on Twitter, or it's brightonrockpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to email us, just don't uh, you're expect a sensible to... reply. <laughs> do not accept, expect any kind of sensible reply. <laughs> or any time um, reply at all, to be honest. <laughs> and, if, and if you do communicate with us, please make it silly. Um, anything ridiculous, we'll, we'll probably read it out. But um, not too rude. No, exactly. <laughs> On that note, we'll leave it. And so for now, Peter, stand or fall. Up the Albion. Cheers. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.